Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Happy Saturday morning and welcome to another episode of Collider Mailbag. And this is a very special one that I'm crazy excited about because of my guest today. You've seen him on Freaks and Geeks. You've seen him in Glorious Bastards. You've seen me mess up a question in the Schmodown that cost me a title that he walked up there and took the title away from us. If you saw that magic, I think that cost you the title. I I think, well, it was uh, was part of it, that's for sure. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Great actor and the current commissioner of the Schmodown, uh, my man over here, the great Sam Levine. Oh, John, that's very sweet of you to say. I I don't think I deserve the great, though. Although I'm glad you did point out that this is a Saturday morning. I don't know if your viewers know. Uh, We are now shooting this on a different day but it's uh it's just just uh, past 6 a.m yes that's right that's, that's how early it is in my brain at least right now <laughs> i don't get up this early for anyone oh so uh i feel even more honored so yeah. really i am brought to you today by red bull <laughs> there you go. not a, you, not a sponsor of this show but a sponsor of me how do you work on film sets but not get oh, oh oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah i get the point no i get up this early if i'm on the clock there it is There it is. Well said. Well said. Well, maybe I'll buy you lunch or breakfast after this. That's right. Some pancakes. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for sending your questions in to everyone here. You know, it was a lot of fun picking the questions for this particular episode. I say I I pour through them. When we put the calls out on Twitter and on Instagram, put that hashtag collider mailbag on your question. Makes it easier for me to find. Or if you hate social media, you can email us at mailbag at collider.com. Pour through a bunch of those questions. Found about 24 that I like, 25. Sent them on to Sam. Sam picked out five that he liked. And a sixth one that we couldn't quite talk about on the show, but we talked about off air, which we won't mention. But five, the five we selected are a it's lot of so, fun. It's so cryptic. It wasn't anything huge, guys. It, it was just nerd shit. Don't worry uh, about Nerd it. stuff, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, let's get to the first question here. It's an Instagram from Gareth2416. He 
asks, hey, guys, how is everyone? Oh, well, fine. That's lovely. It's early. I like that they send questions inquiring about how we are. Yeah, she shows that they just don't want their questions answered. They care how we're doing. My quick question is, how do movies play in cinemas months after they've been released when they will be on Blu-ray slash DVD a month later? Captain Marvel is still playing locally around my cinema, and I am sure it is available to buy next month. Many thanks, Gareth Owen. Mm. Sam. Uh, Gareth, that's a great question. Uh, I've, I've, when I go on the road, sometimes people will ask me stuff like, hey, you're from Hollywood. How come I can see a movie and then get it on DVD like a week later? Uh, the reason is, and this has been a very uh, uh, debated thing, a very heated thing mm-hmm. between uh, exhibitors, so your, your AMC theaters, your you know, cine, local Cineplex, and movie studios mm-hmm. over the last several years. It's what's known as a release window. Okay. And currently, the release window is uh, a 90-day minimum, I think, mm-hmm. which is if exhibitors agree to show your movie, uh, you can't release it on a secondary market, an ancillary market, for a minimum of 90 days. Right. Uh, because what the studios want to do is get it out there so that the fans who saw it the first two weekends, the mm-hmm. fans who were responsible for 80% of the money the movie made yeah, and yeah. liked it can immediately go out and strike while the iron is hot and then pick it up on DVD or Blu-ray for $30. I mean, right. this is, you know, 10 years ago, but uh, so now it's not necessarily buying the physical media. It's spending the $14 or $20 to download the VOD. Mm-hmm. So that is the studios trying to double dip. Mm-hmm. On the hardcore fans, of course, the exhibitors hate this because they know fans are savvy to, well, if they know it's just going to be three months before they can get it on VOD instead of bringing an entire family to the theater for $100 now, they can just wait and spend $20 and watch it at home on their big screen. So this is an increasing like level of escalation between the exhibitors and the studios. But uh, it just runs into that problem sometimes when you have a movie that's so successful that it continues to be shown, maybe not on as many screens and as many big theaters, but a movie like Captain Marvel is a great example. That's going to be playing in secondary cinemas probably for the next three or four months. It will definitely also be on DVD and available on VOD. So it's really just how you want to watch it, I guess, at that point. And it's becoming more and more. The windows have been tightening and tightening for quite some time. Oh, for years. Six months. Oh, wait, at least. It used to be be like a 180-day window, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, six months or a year before you could see it or get it on on VHS or on DVD. Yep. But I think Soderbergh is the one that kind of changed the game here by releasing on the same day – uh, that bu- I think a bubble movie they released on the same day in the theaters yeah. as uh, on VOD and DVD. Right. And that really scared the exhibitors, like you said. Yeah. And I think from that point on, they put a very hard, firm rule on this, which is why they push back on these Netflix movies being nominated for Oscars. Because the more of these movies they get nominated, the less that will appear in the theaters, costing them money as exhibitors for putting a, a, a product out there. And if people won't come back over and over again, then exhibitors lose money on refreshments. Oh, that's where they that's make their money. They make it the is money. in the movie. Yes, that's no. why you can get $20 AMC stubs for a month and go see much, as much movies as you want because the temptation to buy the popcorn and the soda every time you go is always yeah. there with the candy. Yes, that, that is how exhibitors make their money, which yeah. I hope is no secret anymore. Yeah. It's, it's not that the tickets being $16 all goes to them. They get like... 
under a ten percent of what the ticket cost is. Yeah, they they spend uh, you spend seven dollars on a small popcorn. That's where the theater chains make their money. Yeah, it's not a coincidence that prices refreshment prices have skyrocketed over the last few years to yeah. compensate for the low ticket sales, which is ironic because some films are coming out like. Uh, Endgame making $2 billion, but these other smaller films don't make that much right. money, so they have to make up their money in some way. Because, look, if you once you build a, a, a multiplex with 20 theaters, you got to put movies in those 20 theaters, yeah. and not everyone's going to go see. You can't yeah. put Avengers Endgame in 20 of those screens. No. So. And there are, I know there have been some uh, uh, people who are talking about like a VOD release the same day it's in theaters, yeah. Yeah. but. Uh, and so exhibitors obviously don't want that. And so they, the studios are pitching an idea of that. I don't know if this will ever work, but it's like, all right, well, if people want to pay for it at home and watch yeah. it there instead of going to a theater, we'll charge them $30, right. $40 mm-hmm. to watch it at home the same day it's in theaters. And we'll share some of that money with you, the exhibitors. Yeah. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> it's like, no, because they're still not buying $9 sodas. Yeah, exactly. And if you give us that money and yeah. that's where they want you to spend spend your money is the sodas. I think we are seeing the end of theaters. I think we're seeing the slow progression to the end of theaters and then it'll become more of an event experience because as also, people don't bring this up enough, also with the advance of tech TV technology and the 4K players and what have you, and the stereo, like you can watch a 5.1 surround sound film comfortably in your apartment, in your house or apartment. If you're willing to spend like two grand on yep. an OLED television, yep. you're getting the highest way a film can be watched in your and experiencing a theater. 60 inch, 65 inch, yeah. 77 inch. I yeah. saw the LG 77 inch the other day, almost passed out. And yeah. I saw an AK that oh. Samsung released, which is about 20 grand or 10 grand. Mm. Mind blowing. So give, give it's, it, it's advancing. Give it five months. That'll be eight bucks. Yeah. <laughs> true. Very true. Just... All right. What's our next question, Sam? Oh, Do you have, oh, oh, no, oh no, I guess I'll no, do it. No, I can okay. tell you. No, no, no. I got you. Question number two. Uh, <laughs> Sam Dean writes, hey, Collider crew. You guys are my daily addiction. With all the new actor, actress turned director, John Krasinski, Jordan Peele, and now Olivia Wilde with Booksmart, who would you like to see be the next actor, actress to take this path with their career? Personally, I would like to see Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence go this route as they both have a lot of experience with some big time directors Matthew Vaughn, Darren Aronofsky, Alejandro Inuritu, Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos, yeah. Uh,. That's a great question. Yep. I appreciate, uh, Sam, that the two you suggested were uh, actresses, Emma mm-hmm. Stone and Jennifer Lawrence. We certainly need more uh, female directors. Sure. Although I don't necessarily agree with the premise that they'd make great directors because they've worked with great directors. Ah, good point. Um, but uh, so I thought about this and I only had one answer and I could probably come up with some more. Okay. Um, for me, the person who I, what I think would lead to someone being ideally suited for that mm-hmm. isn't necessarily someone who's worked with great directors, but someone who as an actor has chosen scripts and projects ah. that are not necessarily safe. Right. Someone who is not afraid to take creative chances. Um, because I think that is what lends itself to a good writer-director, or at least a good director. Mm-hmm. And I went with Sam Rockwell. Oh, nice choice. Um, who has never directed a film, right. never directed anything, has no director credits listed on his resume, mm-hmm. um, has a stellar reputation within the business, yeah. uh, and has made amazing choices mm-hmm. over the years, and I think definitely has an eye for a great script, yeah. and what will make that a great story. And so, 
I think if he ever wanted to take it one step further and maybe direct something he was acting in or um, just direct something and and just use his acting ability to impart onto the others, um, sometimes I think of a film that I worked on years ago that nobody's ever seen. It's a movie called Drones. I honestly don't even know how you'd go about finding it, mm. uh, but it's it's not a war movie. There's a war movie called Drones. It's not about that. This is set in an office. Right. Uh, came out in 2010, I want to say, 9 or okay. 10. doesn't matter. 2010. Let's say 2010. Anyway, um, uh, uh, the we had a directing team on that oh, okay. movie. Oh, okay. And uh, so it was a pair of directors, and one of them uh, basically just worked with the actors. Mm-hmm. Just worked only on performance. Okay. The other director was our technical director. Right. I mean, for, for better or worse. Right. Uh, you know, these aren't I – mean, they weren't rigid positions, but – and I really liked that. I loved it, like the divvying up of that. So if someone like a Sam Rockwell or a Jennifer Lawrence or or whomever wanted to help shape acting uh, on a thing, but was less concerned with making sure it was visually interesting yeah. or whatever, ask someone else who has an eye for that to co-direct with you. Yeah. The DGA is notoriously difficult when it comes to yeah. co-directors, but. Uh, I think that would be certainly a good way to get your feet wet if if you were inclined to do something like that. What do you think, John? <laughs> I think more – I look at people who seem like very strong personalities mm-hmm. and who are knowledgeable about the business. You know, Jessica Chastain's the first one to jump to mind for me because very much a strong actress. You read her interviews. She's very much commands whatever media she's in. Yep. However she's presented, however she's asked about things, she's very in control of herself, and I respect that. And she's open to production companies, so she's you know reading scripts and whatever. I could see her absolutely commanding a sure. uh, set, no problem at all, knowing what she wants. I think Robert Downey Jr., with his experience, this would be the next step for mm-hmm. him. Because if you look at his uh, returns box office-wise, outside of the MCU, not doing so hot. Sure. And with his experience on set, he likes to sing, he likes to write, uh, he's got a kind of easy demeanor. I think he'd be, and I think he knows what he wants when he's looking at something. And so yeah. I would like to see him try directing. Nick Cave is another one that comes to mind. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Nick Cave has also been writing stuff and writing songs, composing. He's done a lot of acting recently. So I think Nick Cave is the kind of guy, obviously leading the bad seeds on his own. He's used to being a leader. So he could possibly direct something. Uh, I love the work he did on the proposition. So that's something that makes me excited yeah. for him. Two ladies that I think uh, we could go Taraji P. Henson. Oh, and yeah. Jennifer Lopez, two very strong ladies oh, wow. who are driven to she's accomplish. She's like a mogul, Jennifer yeah. Lopez. She's a mogul. She she's can do things. Like, uh, what's, what's his name? Uh, the director, um, uh, uh, Nocturnal Animals. Can't oh, his name. I can't think of his name. Tom Ford. There it is, Tom, Tom Ford. Ford. Schmo uh, down. It's all right. Um, we're not We're not. On the, we're not worried about it. This is not, this is not true. <laughs> um, Tom Ford, I remember seeing Tom Ford did that, and then the other one, uh, A Single Man. Oh, right, yes. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, crazy. He's got the same name as that fashion Just designer design, guy. Right. Nope, same guy. <laughs> same guy. So right. when moguls get into that, it's sometimes... It could go either way, but he certainly made it work. So I would, yeah. I would like to see uh, mogul Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, certainly, she's done everything else. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oscar Isaac is a possibility down the road, I think, because there's another one like Rockwell who makes interesting choices with his work. It isn't just the mainstream stuff. Uh, a very dangerous, I think, the most dangerous year. That was a fantastic yep. film that he did. Our most violent, year. most violent year. That was great. Uh, so his that HBO series he did, I thought, was really interesting mm-hmm. about the politician. All of that, all fascinating, Oscar. And then action wise. It's only a matter of time before Dwayne Johnson is behind the camera. 
as an executive yeah. producer, actor, and all this kind of jazz, and you mentioned Mogul, yeah. there's no way he doesn't end up behind the camera down the road. I would think once pro- he's probably waiting until he hits the age yeah. where he can't be tough guy anymore. Right. You know, although at this point, what is that age? I mean, look at Schwarzenegger, look at Stallone. Yep. Those guys, well into their 60s. Yeah, still kicking butt. And still beating them up. So maybe it'll be a while before Dwayne gets there. But, yeah, I would definitely think uh, with as much experience as he has now, yeah. he's got to have some desire to, to tell be, a story. It'd be fun to see what he would do with that. Yeah. All right, our next question is an email from Sorry. Coyote Ogunsola. Right, say, Collider Crew, I've been pleasantly surprised with Keanu Reeves' recent career renaissance. It feels like he's reached the highest plateau of celebrity fandom. I keep seeing his name attached to numerous film projects, and I cracked up when I saw his appearance in Ali Wong's new Netflix movie trailer. So I wanted to ask you guys, do you think this, is Reeve, this Reeves hysteria will be long-lasting, or do you think it will flame out similar to what happened to the Matthew McConaughey renaissance that happened a couple of years ago? Thanks, Chris. Sam. Now, I, I chose this question uh, for so many reasons. Okay. One, I'll always talk about, gladly talk about Keanu and McConaughey. Mm-hmm. But secondly... I just, I, once again, I disagree with the premises set <laughs> forth in the question. This is not a Reeves hysteria thing. Right. Keanu Reeves has been a stable go-to guy in Hollywood for over 25 years. Yeah, true. Since Speed. Mm-hmm. Since 1994, he has been every is on everyone's list. He has never faded into obscurity and they made a comeback a la John Travolta, right. Pulp Fiction. It's, it's never really happened that he's ever really dipped out of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about Keanu is he is one of those actors who has always done a one for them, one for me. Right. For every speed he's got on my own private Idaho. Mm-hmm. For every matrix he's got a, um, oh God, what was that other one that, uh, um, Oh, the, the, the lake house, let's oh, just yeah, say. Oh, yeah, the lake house, sure. Which is like a lot of, oh, to say rom-com, not necessarily. Yeah, I like uh, that. That could go either way. But, like, he'll do one that where it's like, oh, no, it's a script he mm-hmm. wants to do. Mm-hmm. It might not be big and flashy, um, but he'll do the big action movie to make sure that he stays relevant and, and is firmly ensconced in, I'm an action hero. Sure, yeah. I can do that. But I can also do goofy, weird, little, tinier movies mm-hmm. that are small and about people and small stories. Um, so I don't know that I would call what this is what's happening right now Reeves hysteria. Certainly, he's on a great run again yeah. with John Wick Chapter 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, the likelihood that any one actor could ever be the lead of two different, very successful film franchises is very small. Yeah. So he is in rarefied air mm-hmm. having that with both The Matrix and John Wick, and hats off to him. Uh, I don't think he's going away anytime soon. I don't think we're going to burn out on him. Mm-hmm. He has proven himself to be, time and time again, a valuable commodity wherever you plug him in. And even when he is in a movie that misses. Yeah. You know. Uh, like replicants. It, yeah. Nobody holds it against him because yeah. it's like, no, it's okay. You take chances. You do stuff. Lord knows he's not in it for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you read anything about what his ethos is and his mantra, yeah. he doesn't really keep much of the money he makes. He lives very simply, very quietly. Mm-hmm. He donates most of it to charity. He's he's a, a, a genuinely great dude yeah. walking among us. So I am all for this Reeves hysteria, <laughs> as you call it. Um, as far as McConaughey, I don't know how old... Uh, yeah, uh, Coyote, Coyote or Chris, yeah, yeah is. Um, but uh, 
when Matthew McConaughey first came on the scene in the mid '90s, mm. I'm sure you remember this. Of course, Hollywood hailed him as. Do you remember who they compared him to? They Paul said Newman? that's the next right. Paul, Newman. Paul Newman. We got our next Paul Newman here, Hollywood. Take notice. Yep. And then he wasn't right. And then the rom-coms followed. Mm-hmm. The cheap rom-coms followed. And everyone went, ooh, maybe we, uh, maybe we jumped the gun on this one a little too much. I don't know. And then it wasn't so much a renaissance. It was him catching on. He was like, oh, man, people don't, they don't take me seriously, man, like right. they did 10 years ago. I, I make some choices. And that is why he started definitely going after yeah. an Oscar. And he got one. And he got one. Yeah. And he, he found the right script. Yep. He and, cr- and he credits it to his wife. His wife said, yeah. get out that door, make us some money, and yep. get famous yep. because you got kids to feed and you got a wife to love yeah. and take care of. So you got to do some business. So he credits that in his life and has done that. So I agree. Uh, yeah. Sam lays it out correctly. It wasn't a renaissance from McConaughey, a McConaughey, yeah. whatever you want to call right. it. It was the fact that he realized, oh, crap, my career is ending. I'm going to end up doing straight DVD films if I don't yep. do something really quickly. Yep. With Keanu, it was a completely different animal. And I think you're right about that too sam he has the ability to be nick cage and be robert downey jr as well he has Mm -hmm. ability to lead these action films and then dip into these straight to dvd films because he just enjoys working and if a script calls Mm -hmm. out to him it calls out to him yep i went to new york comic-con and he did that panel for replicants and the way he spoke about it he's really excited about the movie and excited about how and it didn't turn out well obviously but he was excited about playing the character and what the what the movie had to say about our society. So yeah. maybe it didn't all around work, but his intentions for why he took the role were something deeper inside of him. And I always love seeing pictures of him on the New York subway, just chilling out, yep. doing whatever, giving his seat to a young lady who's standing or an older lady who's standing next yep. to him. But the thing about him is, yeah, he survived all the slings and arrows of the young, you know, making fun of his accent, making fun of his, whoa, all that kind of stuff. He survived all of it to stay in our periphery mm-hmm. for years and sometimes right in front and sometimes to the side. But he's always done it because people sense that he's a good dude. He's a great and they dude. Like him. And and if nothing else, uh, he's still very good friends with Alex Winter. Yeah, true. Uh, they're doing uh, Bill and Ted 3. And, and that's the, yeah, it's yeah. like for, it's been 30 years now since the since Bill, the yeah. Bill and Ted came out. And for 30 years, well, for at least almost for 27 years, they've been talking about when are we going to do the sequel? Yeah. When are we going to get Bill and Ted 3 out there? And he's never been like, nah, I, I can't anymore. Right. No, nah, I'm too big for that. Or no, I don't want that on the resume. The opposite. He, yeah, he's been down mm-hmm. since 1992. Yep. Uh, and so supposedly it is happening. Yeah. It is getting <laughs> we'll made. See. And no one is more excited <laughs> about that than me. Yeah, that Hollywood Bowl video was hilarious. Yeah. And you said Alex hasn't been in, in our... Uh, sight lines for quite some time. Well, he's a director now. Exactly. Yeah. But to see the the energy and the chemistry between those two guys, just fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, all right. What's our next question, Sam? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great <laughs> question. Uh, question number four. Uh, Kay Stoudemire writes, Hey there, Collider family. Looking at many series finales and their hated endings, such as Game of Thrones and The Sopranos. Are there any movie endings you hate and would change? Mm. Thank you, and stay sweaty. There you go. Um, Yes, uh, there are so many, (laughs) uh, but I don't want to go into those. I'll just say, uh, for me, um, 
the thing that bums me out most is when I am watching what I otherwise consider to be a very well-written movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very easy to hate on a bad movie and a bad ending that you think is a cop-out. That's easy. Right. What's tough for me is when I'm watching a really good movie, a really well-made movie with fully fleshed out three-dimensional characters yeah. that for nothing other than to serve the plot or a moral goodness for some inexplicable reason – they turn on the characters and then they do inauthentic things. Right. And I think that is what people are upset about when they talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that as it applies to Game of Thrones, I think, because it's a TV series. It's a little different. They yeah. had years and many, many episodes to build these characters and you know maybe drop little hints here mm -hmm. and there that these things could happen. Sure. But with a movie, it's tougher because you only get – two-ish hours yep. to tell us who this person is. And so for me, uh, there was a movie that came out a couple years ago that I really, really liked called Flight. Oh, yeah. The Denzel Ro Washington. Denzel Washington, Robert Zemeckis. Yep. Uh, I really, really, really liked that movie. Mm -hmm. I saw it in theaters, and I really loved the Whip Whitaker character. Mm -hmm. And for two hours, everything we learn about Whip Whitaker is... Nothing phases this guy. Yeah. Nothing gets past him because he is a, forgive me, functioning drug addict alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Th there are many who walk among us in society. True. He, the man knows how to handle his booze. The man knows how to handle his drugs. Yep. And the man knows exactly what the limits are that he can still comfortably function. This is a guy who completely keyed out of his mind and sleep deprived and drunk mm -hmm successfully crash lands a malfunctioning plane and saves just about everyone on board. Upside down. Upside down. Oh, he God inverts sense. it in spite of the fact that that is not physically possible. So, well, it's not that it's not physically possible. It's that <laughs> I remember reading about it and it was like every advanced pilot was like, you could do this. One would never do this. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. so everything we know about him and then Every aspect of Whip Whitaker after that point is about him trying to explain, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter that that stuff was in my system. It doesn't affect me like it does other people. I'm fine when I'm like that. And he freaking was fine. Yeah. He really, really was. Right. And then the night before his big uh, testimony that yeah, he has yeah. to give to the NTSB or whatever, uh, supposedly – the 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 memory the tarnishing of the memory of the flight attendant who he was sleeping with the night before the flight and the fact that mentioning that she died very tragically through no fault of his right. no fault of Denzel's did she perish um, and that they're going to try to claim that the booze was hers or whatever that's the thing yeah. that sets him off to now come clean right. That rubbed me such the wrong way from an otherwise really great movie. I was like, look, if you want me to believe that having her memory tarnishes what's going to set him off, that's fine. Yeah. But you need to spend at least some time throughout the film explaining that he cared for this woman much more deeply than he did, yeah. than we were led to believe. It seemed like that was just kind of a weird fling they were having at the beginning yeah, of the movie. Yeah. That didn't seem like he was madly in love with her or something. Mm -hmm. It didn't strike me that Whip Whitaker, in spite of the fact that he knew himself and he was, you know, totally on board with his, you know, his own abilities, that he was an exceptionally moral guy. Yeah, yeah. So 
with the exception of that ending that really struck me as inauthentic, I really do like that movie. Yeah. So, yes, that's that's what bothered me. I wish I could have changed the ending where Whip Whitaker's like, yep, no, I guess those bottles were hers. Next question. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, well, I've got a few, but I'm, I, for the sake of time, I'm going to say The Forgotten. I didn't like the idea of The Forgotten at the end. It's a mind wipe. Are you kidding? Wow. It's a mind wipe. And then it's like, well, we were just testing to see how much parents really love their kids. What? Deep, deep cut. I just, I was like, I love that. I love Julianne Moore. And I was in sure, that man. movie. Because yeah. I thought Flight Plan was a version of that as well. I like okay. the idea of like, okay, where's my kid? Well, right. Who's telling the truth? I love that. And, you know, a Titanic, there's certainly room on that headboard for Jack. <laughs> uh, the, the, it was a whole door. It was a whole door. The Matrix Revolutions. Oh, so the whole, so this has just mm. been a cycle the whole time. We just, we're just watching one version of the cycle and it's going to start all over again why did i waste six and a half hours watching this thing wakowski uh, sisters now why so i was mad about that and i would say the abyss is probably my the one that i uh i absolutely have struggled for years yeah. to like the ending because i love the abyss yep. it's one of the most unheralded james cameron films that nobody talks about it's one of the tightest scripts he's ever written yep. one of the most emotionally honest films i've ever seen yeah ed harris and mary elizabeth master and tony give the performances of their careers yeah they're both if so you, good yeah if you don't break when she passes initially drowning Ed Harris's performance and her performance in that scene still gives me chills when I watch it every time. But then at the end, it's freaking aliens saving everybody coming up. And, you know, even Chris Elliott's there for some unknown reason. Um, it's such a random casting. But all it was was about aliens showing people that love is how you save the world. I'm like, yeah, it just made me so mad. I know. Well, I, surely you have seen the extended cut. I did, cut, which was the, great. Which was really fine. does yes. make the ending a little bit more palatable. Right. But I agree. The theatrical cut is it's a little, hey, Rocky defeated communism. Wait, what? No, it can't be this simple. Love does not conquer all quite right. like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And why are aliens telling us that? All right, our last question uh, is from Sean Kelvey. It's an Instagram question. He asks, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood being the ninth film of Tarantino. Oh, look who we've got on the panel today. And Tarantino says he's making 10 films. What movie would you like to see him make for his last Phil, Sam Levine. Now, um, here's the thing I love about Quentin. First, yep. I loved about him before I, I got to work with him. Yeah. And then I loved about him even more is at any given time he has, I'm going to say, between 30 and 300 different movies oh, and sure. scripts and stories that he's either physically already working on yeah. or it's just bouncing around back there. And at some point he, th he wants to get to it. But at the top of that list is always the stories that he's told that he loves, which is all of them, mm -hmm. that he wants to delve back into. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after Pulp Fiction, right. he talked about doing the Vega Brothers. The Vega Brothers, yeah. For a long time. Mm -hmm. After Kill Bill, he's still talking about doing Kill Bill Volume 3. Right. While we were shooting Inglorious Bastards and then afterward, he kept talking about how he wanted to do the prequel movie about Aldo Rain and Donnie oh, Donowitz wow. working their way up through all of Italy. Right. And then assembling the bastards. And basically the last thing you'd see would be how all of those guys wound up in front of Rain and Donowitz at that, you know, at that, uh, right, on right. that, on that academy yeah, yeah. and that lineup. And, uh, and so that's, that's something that, you know, he's also talked about doing. So because he's only got one more to go, I say mash them all up. <laughs> mash them all together and we can jump around we can play with time maybe the bride comes in and kills Mussolini I don't know oh that's good work I don't know the bride is the uh, descendant of yep. Aldo yep 
And certainly the Vega brothers maybe are descendant from the, the Bear Jew. Sure. That's well, the Lee Donowitz, Lee Donowitz from, right, True right. Romance from True Romance. Oh, is yeah. The, that's, that's that connection. That's certainly possible. Yeah. Oh, right. no, that's exactly. more than possible. That's, yep. that's confirmed. Oh, that is? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the connection. But, yeah, but, yeah I'm, but all of his universes are connected yeah, is my yeah, point. Yeah. So it wouldn't be that hard to connect these three stories. Oh, God. And if there's anyone who can do it, it's him. So I say his tenth and final film should be... His love letter to all of his <laughs> other films because, hell, we all – I want that. As yeah. a fan, I want that. Listen, I can't top that. That's a perfect – I think that's a perfect answer. My answer was simply The Kill Bill Volume 3 because that's my favorite yeah. of his films, the, the both of them together. Don't give me that separation bullcrap. I like them together oh, yeah. as the, the legacy of the bride story. So I would love to see that. But what Sam just said – that would be the winner. Three hours of exploring the Quentin Tarantino universe yep. and how it's always been connected and going through all of that would be fascinating. Yeah. I'd be down for that. Uh, all right, well, that's our episode of Collider Mailbag. I want to thank you all for watching on this lovely Saturday. Uh, as always, a uh, big thanks to my guest here, Sam Levine, for coming on. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. That's my pleasure, my man. Sam, where can they find you and the stuff you do, brother? Oh, you can find me on uh, the Twitters and the Instagrams, at Sam Levine, Sam with two M's, and then uh, right here on DC Universe, uh, uh, you can catch me on DC Daily most days of the week. There you go. Uh, and uh, DC Universe, uh, sign up for a free trial right now. I think you get a whole week free. And for what it's worth, if you haven't seen Doom Patrol, oh, yeah. the season finale drops uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you are into that sort of thing, and boy, you should be, get yourself a free trial. Binge the whole thing this weekend. I promise you will be thrilled that you did. Yep. I'm up to episode five right now. Doom Patrol Incredible. So good. Such good use of those actors and those characters. I love it. So there you go. Uh, you can always follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. I want to thank everybody for sending in your questions. Remember, we put the call out on social media, on Twitter and on, and on the Instagram. Look for that hashtag Collider Mailbag. Put it in on your question, and um, it makes it easier for me to find. Or if you don't want to do social media, email us mailbag at collider.com. Pour through those questions, pick them out. All right, have yourselves a great Saturday and tune in tomorrow when the general manager of Movie Phone, Matt Atchity, joins me for an episode of Collider Mailbag. Until then, take care and have a great Saturday. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.